Great job, quartet. Ooh. I can hear me. New batteries. Thank you, Kenny. He's wanting me to take new batteries. It is good to see everybody, and I want to emphasize two or three things. First of all, if you didn't know how smart Connor Earl is, he hasn't been able to take his eyes off of Donald and Charlie, which goes to prove he knows a pair when he sees them. <laughs> Amen? A good pair. How about that? I'll better rephrase that. Second thing, we are having the fish fry tonight. If you know some lost folks, come. I'll give just a brief devotional. That's all it's going to be is brief, I promise. Uh, the church is providing the fish, the chicken, the hush puppies, the french fries. Uh, okay, you bring any other sides or desserts you want to have with it. All right, and we want to see you there and bring some folks that normally wouldn't come to church. They'll come eat, okay, and so get them there. And then in your bulletin, they had that safety seminar, okay. I want to emphasize something. Some people think I'm going crazy about this safety stuff. Well, I am because we have to. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're a Sunday school teacher, especially of children, if you're a Sunday school teacher of youth, if you're a team kid teacher, uh, some of our deacons, if you want to know what safety is about, this will be a good one-day emphasis. And so call, make reservations, and go. I plan on going. And so if you're just interested in making sure the kids are safe around the church, go. Okay, it's going to be a good seminar. And, and I don't think there's anything we can do to protect, uh, I mean, anything that we should not do to protect our kids and our young people and ourselves uh, from this day. Because the devil intends us harm and God intends us good. Let's open to Mark chapter 5. I think that's all I wanted to say. Also, do pray for, uh, see you at the poll. That's near and dear to our hearts. And be praying when the kids are praying that morning, Wednesday morning. And for the kids and the administrators, their teachers, all of them need our prayers for safety, to learn, to uh, get along. Mark chapter 5. Uh, we're going to begin with verse 1. Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. I entitled it The Fearful Fanatic. I know that is not a football fan, especially a Razorback fan. Some of them didn't like that. It's the truth. You should be fearful. Okay? Uh, Mark chapter 5, beginning verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Now, in... I want to pause here. I want you to listen. Uh, Matthew and Luke, some of the others may refer to them as the Gerasenes or the Gerasats. And what that is, that is not a mistake. There are two cities close to the seashore, and they landed between those two cities is the best we can tell. And then beyond those two cities is the compass over ten more Gentile cities there. And so there's not mistakes. It's just one author calls it by one town's name. The other, the other would be like, Sort of like Grassville and Cotter. And, and if you hit in between them, which one are you going to pick? Does that make sense? If it doesn't, see me later. Okay. Uh, and when he, 
had come out of the boat. So Jesus is getting out of the boat. Immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? He answered, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. There were about 2,000. <coughs> and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. If you didn't notice... That's the first case of deviled ham in the world. They didn't like that either. I don't care. That's my favorite joke. So those, you just proved Elizabeth's point though. She tells me I'm not funny. So those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened uh, to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. And they began to plead with him, Jesus, to depart from their region. He got in the boat and when he had... And he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in the capitalists all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to your word today, I ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would still our minds and hearts so that we would hear from you. Give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts to obey you. Father, you know I'm not real settled yet this morning. My mind is a little cloudy, so you bring out what you want said and you gain the glory that only you deserve. And Father, I especially pray for those who need to make spiritual decisions today some need to come and accept jesus christ publicly as their personal lord and savior by repenting of their sins and placing their faith in him others need to join the church by baptism or letter or statement the way we receive members some need to come in rededication some to surrender burdens or to to a special call but lord have your way with us we're your people we're here You have our attention, 
So, Father, speak to us as only you can. And as you do this, we will leave this place praising your holy name. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We come to a section of Scripture that uh, is a little bit different. It's, uh, it's really, uh, how do I want to say it, a little eerie. Jesus is in the midst of basically four miracles here. He's already performed one in which he stilled the sea. Because they, as they crossed over, there was a terrific storm here in Mark. And he just calmed it. And they're in awe and amazement worshiping him to prove that he had power, authority over the storms of life. Then he comes to the demoniac. And we read the end of the story and he heals this man. And again, they're in awe to prove he has power even over the demoniac world. He goes on and he, he does uh, other uh, miracles here because... He, he's, going to, he's going to heal Jairus' daughter, raise her from the dead, literally. And then, uh, uh, but as he's going, you remember the woman with the issue of blood had had it for 12 years, touched the hem of his garment, and he heals her. So he has power over disease, he has power over death. Now, why is that important? Because I think Mark wants us to understand something that we often forget. That Jesus is trustworthy and all of life's circumstances. And in other words, his redeeming power, Jesus' redeeming power, can save anyone who will come to him. If we have problems, Jesus is the one that will walk with us in the problems or take the problems away. If we have uh, burdens, Jesus is the one that can ease those burdens. That's why he said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls. We can keep going, but do, do we understand that Jesus' power is trustworthy to handle in life what we cannot handle? Now, I did not say you're not going to have problems. Everybody heard that. I did not say he's going to take you out of the midst of your problem. I said he was going to help you with your problem. A help that only he can give. And so that's what we're going to look at. So notice two or three things about this this wild man, this fanatic. The first thing I see is the suffering depravity. In verses 1 through 13, it talks about his depravity. Okay, what do I mean by that? You see, high spiritual times are usually or often followed by a spiritual battle. Let me put it in another term you might understand. See, high spiritual times are usually or most of the time, followed by a spiritual battle. When you have a mountaintop experience with God, have you ever had one of those with God? Come on, raise your hands, do something, don't go to sleep yet. There we go, there's some. Get ready because that's when you're getting ready to do battle. God gives us those times to strengthen us. God gives us those times to be aware. God gives us those times so that we know He's still alive, He's still active, He's still on His throne. It's to bring forth worship from our hearts. But as soon as those times come, get ready because you're getting ready to be led through the valley. And there's going to be a battle. Here they are, and they can't believe that Jesus has control, power, even over the wind and the waves. Because when he says, peace be still, it's like glass on that sea. And they're worshiping him. And they're saying, could this be him? Who is this? 
My, just goosebumps. And if that don't give you goosebumps, your bumper's broken. Something wrong with you if talking about Jesus doesn't bring that kind of reaction from you. But you see, the battle is joined. Think about it. He goes to this country across the Sea of Galilee. I, in my mind, think that it's evening time. The sun is probably setting. They've just had this, and as soon as Jesus steps foot, there he comes, hollering and screaming down from the tombs. The wild fanatic. The one who couldn't be tamed. He's the wild man. He's dangerous. They bound him. Now think about it. He's got so many demons. He has superhuman strength. They bind him with chains and fetters. And he snaps the chains. And he rips off the fetters. And if you read the other gospels. He was prone to cutting himself. And some of the other gospels even mentioned. That he had a friend with him. So there are two of them. And my goodness gracious. What a pair. Not like this pair. They're a good pair. But you understand that. You see, he's traveling the tombs in the hills, crying out day and night. He's demon-possessed. Now, Some of my liberal friends, and I do call them liberal, want to tell me that to believe in that, I'm not very smart. Well, I agree I'm not very smart. They can say amen to that, okay. But I got sense enough to believe what the Bible says. When it doesn't say mental illness, it says demon-possessed. And again and again and again, Jesus personalizes the demons and casts them out. All right? And when you see this guy here, what you're seeing is this. I want you to hear it. Sin has terrible consequences. You see, he is guilty of some kind of gross immorality. He has surrendered himself to the powers of evil till they take over his personality. They take over everything. He has no rest. They're tormenting him. All right? Because he was naked, some scholars say it was probably some kind of sexual sin. I don't know about that. The Bible doesn't say. But he's cutting himself. He stinks of urine and feces. He's rolling around in the tombs with dead bodies. Okay? He's attacking people, evidently, because they tried to bind him because they were so afraid of him. They couldn't be bound. You get the picture of how terrible it is to be captured and totally given over to sin? Now I want you to be a little shocked. Anyone that hasn't accepted Christ is in the same sinful condition, trapped, and they don't even realize it. It's a picture of sin's depravity. But you see, we need to understand that God's the one that's in control. He's in control of both the storm and of the demonic world. He's in control of both. You see, it amazes me that all these people, especially the religious people, had a hard time recognizing God's Son, their Christ, their Messiah. They, they wanted to deny Him. They wouldn't accept Him. They, they kept asking where He is from. His very words, His very actions, His miracles all proved that He was the one. But they had a hard time recognizing it. But the demons never did. As soon as they saw Him, they started, Jesus Son of the Most High God, and he would silence them. This guy comes a running, not willingly, 
and falls down to worship, not willingly. Sort of a burning effect that Christ has that he should have in us as we walk the world. And in compulsion, they realize the divine one with all authority in heaven and earth and come and fall down, and he commands them. Come out! And see, they call him by his name, Jesus. Now, you need to understand that to know someone's name in that day, they'd use a lot of aliases, and it was very seldom only a few close friends and family knew your real name. They believed to know somebody's name meant you had power over them. And I thought, that's strange. And I got to think, no, it's not. It's true. For instance, if I say Herb, everybody looks at Herb. Herb can be walking. When he hears me, he'll stop and say, what, Brother Gary? Right, Herb? Okay. And, and I, could pick, I could pick any of y'all out. Okay. You know, I say, Miss Judy. She stops and gives attention. Unless she's upset with me, and then she goes on because she doesn't want to talk to me. No, Judy wouldn't do that. Okay, but, but you understand what I'm saying. It's in the moment. And when you know somebody's name, it makes your appeal that much more personal. Okay, and if they ask something of you by your name, you know, if it's within your power, most of you good Christian folks, you're going to do it. There is power in knowing somebody's name. And this demon's trying to sort of manipulate the situation. <laughs> but see, in verse 8, Jesus commands him to come out. It didn't want to happen immediately. didn't want to be tormented. didn't want to be sent into the abyss. You know, because uh, the demons are going to be tormented by the holy angels in hell as they burn forever. Read your Bible. And so Jesus says, what is your name? Legion. You know, that should have struck fear. A legion was a Roman troop of 6,000 men. Legion, for we are many. I don't know if that means there were 6,000 demons in this guy, but what it really meant was he's in really desperate shape. So they asked him, we go to the swine, can we go to the sign? And Jesus said, okay, go to the swine. 2,000 swine running down the, the hillside and in and drowned in the sea. Even the swine had better sense than this guy because when the demons possessed them, they wanted to die. This guy had allowed it to go on and on and on because of his depravity and sin. Make no mistake, sin does that to all of us. It captures us. Jesus said, whoever we serve is our master. We either serve God or we serve sin, Satan. Well, it's just, it's just me, Brother Gary. It only affects me. It's just a little sin. There is no such thing. You know, it's like telling a little white lie. It's still a lie. It's like, it's like this. I didn't put just a little bit of poison in there, police officer. Just, just a couple of drops. It's still poison. You're still going to jail. It still kills somebody. Elizabeth's giving me the look to go on. But, but you understand that I think he asked him to reach the man. Legion is my name. And somewhere deep down inside this guy, where his personality is, where the real man is, the awfulness of his situation was crystal clear. Possessed by a legion of demons. And maybe in his mind he could see all those awful things he'd been doing. Those awful thoughts he'd been having. What he'd done to himself. And maybe... 
He's looking for hope. I think Jesus wanted that, de- that guy to hear that demon. The swine running down and drowning show that the casting out's complete. Do you realize, now I think this is correct, that I can only find two animals in the Bible who were demon-possessed. The snake, because of gross pride. The swine, really, for gross uncleanness. We need to make sure that we're not guilty of lots of pride or uncleanness. Uncleanness of thought, uncleanness of attitude, uncleanness of doing things physically, uncleanness in all its forms are not to be a part of our life. Paul said it this way, put off the old man and put on the new. We are children of light, not of darkness. We're to be salt and light to our world. That means uncleanness is not to reign in a Christian's life. We're to be different. Did you hear me? We're to be different. We're to be different than our world. We get that from the Bible and studying the Bible. And so here he is, the suffering depravity. So, Brother Gary, I'm not guilty. I'm not... If you're in your sins apart from Jesus Christ, you're depraved. You're not in your right mind. It's like the prodigal son, you remember, he's there feeding the pigs and it it said he came to himself. The word there means he came to his right mind. He was out of his mind in sin. He came to his right mind and came back to the Father. Some need to get it right today and come back to where you're supposed to be. You either need to be saved or you need to rededicate. Or you need to get to work for God and His kingdom in this church. You need to get in your right mind. That's a nice way of saying, y'all are crazy. They didn't even catch that, did they, Brother Ronnie? The second thing I see is in verses 14 through 17. I see... The sufficient, amazing, however word you want to put it, deliverance. It says that these people come back. When they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed, because remember he had been running around naked. He's sitting there, he's clothed, he's in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw told how it happened to him, and he'd been demon-possessed about the swine. They began to plead with him to depart from their region. So what's going on here in this deliverance? We need to remember that when great things happen spiritually, not everyone is happy. Did you hear me? You may have a high spiritual time. The church may just be busting at the seams, but not everybody's happy. Somebody's going to find something to complain about. Somebody's going to find something wrong with that. Somebody's going to try to doubt your joy. They're going to quench the spirit any way they can because it's different. Because it's not supposed to be done that way. Whoever heard of a legion of demons coming out and being cast into swine and the swine running down and drowning themselves? The only place I heard about it was right here in this story with Jesus. Not everybody's going to be pleased. These people from the surrounding ten cities that Jesus sent the guy here in a little bit, 
They come out of great curiosity. They see this ex-demon-possessed guy sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus in clothing. Now, he's in his right mind. I think that speaks of his conversion, that he wants to follow Jesus. It speaks of his conversion. He realized who Jesus was. He knew who had saved him. He knew who his deliverer was. Do you? I thought it was a, just an amazing thing. I mean, shouldn't they be wondrously pleased? Shouldn't they be happy? Well, they should have. I mean, a big danger has been taken away. They can actually have a, a funeral now without being attacked in the tombs. But you see, the second lesson is not always not everybody happy. Not everyone is going to surrender to Christ. We try to do good to them. We try to present the gospel. We try to live it before them. But some of them are going to refuse their reaction. They're afraid. They don't want Jesus to do any more miracles and show no more great power. They want him to leave. Not only do they want him to leave, in the Greek it means they continue to beg him to leave. They were afraid more of Jesus than the demoniac. I, I just, that just blows my mind. See, there's coming a day when some folks are going to get woke up. Here's, here's what I mean. I want you to hear it. Some people have told God repeatedly, not your will, but my will. I'm going to do it my way, God. Not your will, but my way. And they go through life like that until it's too late and they die. And then the loving Heavenly Father who, who repeatedly had offered them chances, had repeatedly offered them chances, Looks in the book of life and their name isn't there. And here's what he says as they walk into hell. Not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. Don't do that. Don't think you've got it covered because if you haven't accepted Christ and repented of your sins, you're saying to God, not your will, but my will. Some of you say, well, I'm saved, I'm, I'm that, but I'm going to ask you this. How do you think this guy got into this shape? By telling God, not, not what you want, but what I want. I want to do my thing, God, and later on, you know, when things are convenient or I'm older and I had my fun, I'm going, to, I'm going to serve you. It doesn't work that way. The call comes at the appropriate time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to get it right. And some have been telling God so long, well, I'm saved, but I'm going to live my life my way. I'm going to do my thing. And you're just setting yourself up for the devil to work in your life. And you need to come and surrender. Quit that not my will, not your will, but my will stuff. You see, these folks were more concerned, I want you to hear it, about financial profit that was lost in the pigs than they were about a man's soul. More concerned about the worldly things than the spiritual things, a guy's soul. Now, <clears throat> I understand about being a good steward. I really do. We try to do that. But I want, to hear, I want you to hear something. If you're more concerned about money than souls, you're wrong. The question for a Baptist church is never, how much does it cost? The question is, is it God's will? I think I just offended some of y'all. I didn't mean to, but that's just flat out truth. 
These people rejected the Son of God because they were more worried about Him doing more miracles. It's going to cost them more money. I mean, it had to be a miracle. Here's a guy none of them could tame. Here's the guy that was so wild he couldn't be bound and changed the fetter. Here's the guy they were all afraid of. And yet now they're more afraid of Jesus and His power to bring wholeness to broken lives. That makes no sense until you figure out. They didn't want Jesus to change things. They liked it the way it was. Did you catch that? Jesus, you go on now. We got things just the way we like them. And if a church does that, close the doors. Because Jesus is leaving. The final thing I see, here's the good news. So y'all go like this. We see the sending of a disciple. Look at verses 18 through 20. And when he got into the boat, speaking of Jesus, Jesus is going to leave them right there in their shape. This is one of the saddest things in the Bible. He who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Usually Jesus says, follow me, come on. This time he says, no. He's a Gentile, but Jesus has a purpose. He said he begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. <clears throat> and he departed and, did, and began to proclaim in all the decapolis, that's ten cities, that Jesus had done all this for him and all marveled. See, he, this fanatic was famous. He was famous for being bad. He was famous for doing bad stuff. Evil. And they look and he's cleaned up. He smells like he's had a bath. He's got clean clothes on. He's talking in his normal mind. You see, Jesus sent out a disciple. And it tells me this. Sometimes following Jesus is lonely. Now, did you hear me? He wanted to be with Jesus. Any disciple, that's us. Any Christian ought to be, want, want to be where Jesus is. If you don't want to be where Jesus is, something wrong with your salvation. Oh yeah, I want to be with him in heaven. Well, what about here on earth in God's house? Oh, I want to be with him there and sing the praises. Well, what about now? Do you want to be with Jesus that you have a personal devotion time and you read your Bible every day and you pray every day and you serve every day? Hello? That shows that we want to be with Jesus. This guy begged and couldn't go. He has to go alone. But he says, look, I have a job for you. You be faithful. And that's the second thing that I saw here. Following Jesus Sometimes it is lonely. Sometimes you have to go against the crowd. Sometimes you have to do what you know is right. <clears throat> but following Jesus always demands faithfulness. It always demands faithfulness. This guy goes just as he's told. He goes as a new Christian, as a new believer, and he begins to tell everybody what Jesus has done for him. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. You want to know how to witness? Just start telling folks what Jesus has done for you. Well, you haven't done anything for me lately. Uh-oh. Who moved? You or God? It wasn't God. He promised never to leave us nor forsake us. Do we understand that? 
That we're to be disciples and we're sent to tell people. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. I've had lots of folks come and had the privilege of leading them to Jesus. And the ones that really were serious are the ones who go out and start telling their family and their friends what Jesus has done for them. You can see changed lives all over this church if you start looking. And if they'll be honest, they didn't change it. Jesus changed them and helped them to change. Some were in the grips of alcohol. Some were in the grips of drugs. Some were in the grips of of, uh, (coughs) illicit relationships. Let's put it that way. You have to tell your children what that means later. I don't want to tell them. But they were changed because of Jesus. That same Jesus who cast out that legion is the same Jesus who's alive that we serve today. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. That same Jesus is calling you today to make a profession of faith in Him. That same Jesus is calling you today to surrender anew to Him, to rededicate. That same Jesus is telling you to come on. That same Jesus is telling you to get right. Will you answer? I'm going to pray. We're going to stand and sing. You come as you need to come. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, let us make the decisions that will honor and glorify Jesus. Don't let us leave this place till we do. In Christ's name, amen. Will you stand, please?